local people about local issues every day. The Morning Drive with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620 WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here on this Thursday morning. And now, after the mayor of Rutland was on, the mayor of Burlington is with us. Mayor Moreau Weinberger in his next to the last appearance on The Morning Drive uh, one more as mayor. I think we'll, he'll be back in other other ways, but this will be his next to the last time as mayor. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, Kurt. We got a, a, a mayoral doubleheader today. Huh? Yeah, I, I we, think that's we, unprecedented. It was great. We got to get some pictures of the two mayors together here bef- as uh, Mr. As the mayor of Rutland was leaving. And uh, I know you've gotten to know Mike Dungeness as mayor of Rutland a little bit in the last year or so. I have. He's doing a great job. It's exciting to to see the the energy and ideas he's he's brought into office. I gotta say, you know, I've I've during my long tenure now, twelve years, I've served with three different Rutland mayors. They've all been awesome. They've all been great, very different. And uh, you know, it just I was reflecting on it coming over here when you told me that he was here. Just it, I think it's really a shame that Burlington and Rutland are the only two municipalities in the state that have the sort of strong mayor, former government. I think it's really, uh, I think it's the best. That is and the only two, right? It's the only two. It's the only two where we actually pay someone to be mayor. And wow, uh, I, I, I knew there weren't many, but it's only the two, just Burlington and Rutland. Well, there are other mayors, but they're well, not yeah, strong mayors. Yeah, they're, 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 I think they're eight total. They're um, more or less figurehead mayors. In a, know, in I a sense, I, I don't think that's a fair way to characterize it. But they're 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 not the chief executive officer. They they're they, not full time paid mayors. They're not full time paid mayors. They aren't. Um, they don't have. They don't appoint the department heads. They're working with the city manager, yeah, former government. You're but, right. Figurehead was a little not quite fair. I mean, I think they are. You know, elected as mayor, they they hold that authority as the only person elected by the the city that can really speak for the city. Um, but the they don't. They don't really have the. Ability to go in and shake things up, take the city in a different direction. And I, I, I you know, there's probably more risks with a strong mayor, former government. I mean, you get some, the wrong person in that office and you do a lot of damage. But uh, I think there's more potential for really innovation and driving change, too, which I think, I think we yeah, need right now. It's operational. You have you have you have the ability to be in, in the operation as opposed to just policymaking. Yeah. But, uh, but speaking of coming back in other capacities, Kurt, you know, I, I you know, you got me thinking. I, I was a radio guy in college. You know, I, this is, I was a sports radio guy. Maybe, he wants uh, my job. I was going to say, you look out. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Moreau, he's this is me twice go. and he's, he's going to beat me. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, Jesus, well, we I will, didn't even think about it. I'm sorry. We will always share an anniversary together. <laughs> For one of us, it was a happy one. If one of us, it wasn't so happy. <laughs> it's coming up in a few weeks here, huh? Yeah. What was it? March. Uh, is it the seventh this year? I mean, the, no, the one from oh from twelve years ago. I think that was the sixth. I think you're right. I think I, I still. Th- I think of it when it comes up. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, I think I still have it in some of my like passwords and whatnot. You know, March. Uh, <laughs> so cool. uh, there's a lot of issues to get into, but first, just give me a quick reflection on you know you are now winding down your mayor your 12 years um and you've been with us on this show i know you were on the previous show too but you've been with us since the beginning in fact i know you were on the show the first week we started i had asked you to come on and outside of your normal time which you did i think it was the second day of the show um so can you give us a little uh little reflections on your 12 years and what you're thinking of here as as it winds down mm, i'll tell you it's not feeling like a time of reflection in the mayor's office right now. We are very busy. We're very focused on getting everything done we can in the remaining weeks we have in office. And it's a time where, you know, there's a lot that's 
just happening outside our control as well. So I don't know. I'm not completely, you know, where, where our, our, our focus is at is, for example, Kurt, you know, getting that, the, the development agreement done, this amendment that was necessary for City Place Monday. That was a, a big deal. Uh, and I was very happy to see a 12 0 vote uh, on that. We, um, we're trying to get to some key milestones with the Champlain Parkway Rail Yard Enterprise Project before we hand hand that off. What, this uh, there's some big housing stuff that still needs to be resolved. This uh, UVM MOU and the neighborhood code. So that's really where my head is. I could try to reflect a little. Well, you can wait till we got another time for you. That, that's so we'll, not next show, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll do that here. more on the All next right. show. Yeah, good point. See, already he's already he's like moving well, into the spot. He's like, <laughs> I think we wait for the next one for that, don't you we? Start, yeah. You start with the, uh, the producer, the producer role, and the next thing you know, yeah. oh so like, boy, player oh, coach. So, so let's talk about the one you just mentioned, though, in regard to City Place. Um, if the council and they did unanimously, but there were people texting me at the time saying, "Well, what if the council doesn't support this?" If the council, where was the project if this hadn't passed? Where was the project in financial difficulty if we hadn't made this move with Dave Farrington and the other owners to two hotels with 350 hotel units and reduce back the housing by 70 units? Or 70? So this is, I I'm, I'm appreciate you asked the question. We can talk it through because it is a little confusing. The, no, the, the project is in the best place it's ever been in the decade we've been talking about it. It is, they are... They put tens of millions of dollars into the ground. There's a 10-story structure standing there. It's the largest building in Vermont. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's achieved that. It's about 140 feet tall. Um, the northern building, uh, the foundation is in. The new streets are starting to take shape. So on the ground, there's been enormous progress. They've got their permits for the current concept. They have a new, this is very importantly, they, after... Uh, a period in which they were considering different concepts. And they were really clear and upfront with the council, with the public about this, when they took control of the site from Don Sinek's, they didn't have it all figured out. They've spent the last, you know, two years since they took control, two years, um, uh, talking to various different investors, examining different st- concepts. They had a student housing concept. They had, um, uh, they had a different version that included working with Champlain Housing Trust, having them doing the affordable apartments. So they've been working through a number of different options. They've settled on one that involves 350 uh, homes and then up to 350 hotel rooms and two different hotels. They have an investor who's come in and is a partner in the whole project, a minority investor that is called the Jiri Group. And they are an experienced hotel developer and operator. And so they are bringing in capital as well. And so uh, they finally have a, a, a coherent, viable concept, and they've been moving it through the permitting and they're moving it through the financing. The point at Monday, though, is all that did depend because of the history of this project. You know, Normally things don't work this way, but because this has always been a public-private uh, agreement where the city has a big role in it because we own the, the streets and we're using TIF funds to get that done. And there's this, you know, there's this very detailed relationship between the developer and the city. Uh, the council retained the ability to approve changes to the project. And this was different than what was approved 15 months ago. And so had the council not approve this agreement, it would have thrown the project into crisis. You would have suddenly, basically, they would have spent all this time and effort doing this work for something they suddenly didn't have the legal authority to to completely build. Doesn't normally work that way. This, you know, normally you go through a permitting process and they had done that. So, 
you know, that's a, that's a function of what this has been is truly been a public private partnership with the city protecting its interests and having real rights. And as a result of that, the council had to do a responsible thing on Monday. And yes, there was some complaining about it. There were some who were clearly tempted and who didn't like the idea they had to vote for something that included uh, adding hotel rooms and taking away a few housing units. But at the end of the day, Cooler heads prevail, the, the correct thinking prevailed, and people realized, look, this is the second largest housing development in the history of the state. This is an enormous win for housing. The fact that it's slightly smaller than what they approved 15 months ago didn't keep people from doing the right thing and, and voting yes. And we've got a few hotels in Burlington, but is it? do the numbers show that it, it can? it's still warranted to have more hotels in Burlington? <clears throat> this is one of the many parts of the Burlington economy that's really quite strong right now. Uh, you know, and, and this is something a little bit lost in all of the rightful focus on public safety and the challenges with homelessness and drugs that we're having in the downtown. A, a quiet, really almost untold story is that there continues to be very strong visitor traffic coming to the city. There continues to be very strong new new investment in buildings. We opened about twice as many, I believe, new businesses last year as closed, including just uh picked up lunch at the almost full uh, market, this new downtown uh, Asian grocery uh, in, the, in the downtown. I had lunch a couple weeks ago at San Diego's. We have a couple local guys who open a Cuban restaurant. There's a lot of excitement and innovation and investment happening in Burlington. Certainly that's the case in the hotel space. The, the, they have the the metrics are kind of are, are very strong, is my understanding. And you know, if you look at if you've had family members coming into town trying to get hotel rooms in Burlington on busy weekends, it's it's pretty shocking what they're paying. So I think there will be. It, 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 this is clear a place where um, there's a lot of opportunity, and that's what you see in this investment. And the housing is still going to be a higher number than it originally started out. Anyway, is that right? Yeah, Kurt. Thanks for pointing that out. Like the, it, it's we did go back, kind of. Part of the presentation on Monday was to go back to the uh, the, the agreement, the first development agreement that the city council approved back in 2017. That was for a very different project and involved a lot of office space as well as hotel and um, commercial space. In that original uh, vision, um, which is physically even larger, you know, than than what's getting built now, there were only 272 uh, apartments that were envisioned. So. You know, I am again like this was clearly voting yes on this was a pro housing vote. There was was a vote to get the second largest housing project in the state's history done. And it was unanimous. I think, too, that private capital, uh, some people need to be reminded of this. They want to see they, they, they wanted to see it. They wanted to see the first building go up, you know, and, and see that the city was really that this was actually going to happen. And then I think this is a great indication that when you get private capital coming in and wanting to be involved in the project, then you get a unanimous vote. The project is vibrant and alive. And I, I think a, a lot of places have all these these great plans. But until until it starts going up in the air, it's kind of hard to really get other people invested. Yeah, I think that's right, Anthony. I also think it's a little unique what, what happened here at the same time. Yeah. Um, and. Dave Hardnett kind of, uh, not sorry, not Dave Hardnett, Dave Farrington spoke to that, that uh, at the at the council meeting on Monday where he you know was spontaneously asked to come up and give some testimony. He did a great job with it. What the local partners, Al Senegal, Dave Farrington, and Scott Ireland has done here is just to take enormous financial risk. 
it was to a deliver leap of faith to li- this from project. three local guys, and, and they did it. Yeah. They did it. So yeah, you got a ten-story building there. It's been done with their equity. They mm-hmm. have gone out and literally put tens of millions of dollars in the ground. Put their in, you know, put their personal livelihoods, their companies at risk to do that, believing that they would yep. be able to have ultimately attract the right mix of other equity partners and debt financing. But Dave Hart, <laughs> Dave Farrington said when he was asked by a counselor, you know, what's going to happen if we don't approve this? And he said, well, you know, is it really true that it's zero or 350? He's like, look, we have put 25% of the project of equity in and, and we're done. Like we need now to get to the, the debt financing stage and we need this, we need this agreement to do that. So that's, what what they've done? They really they, they put they put everything into this. Failure is not an option, as as Dave said. They put their reputations on the line, and uh, fortunately, they're delivering on it. It's yeah. been a long winding great. road for sure. Uh, I was there for a lot of it. But um, <laughs> what uh, was there any anything to the counselors who complained that, that the process hasn't been transparent? They've they've said that, and this is of late. They're talking about. Was there anything to those criticisms? <clears throat> seemed to come Here's, from three city councilors. Yeah. So note that they were, they weren't saying that they hadn't been kept well informed because they had, we'd had two executive sessions on this going back several months, telegraphing that this was coming. So uh, I, I understand why I, is there something to that? Well, the facts are yes. The, the, the details of this change were released on a Thursday and they needed to be approved on Monday. That's, that's pretty much the way a lot of major decisions work in this city. That's the way our system works. I understand the sentiment that this is a particularly high profile and large project and that the public has been particularly engaged in it going all the way back to 2016 and the zoning votes. And so I can understand why people might say they wanted it to be out there longer. The reality is, though, uh, when you're in a partnership trying to build build something it it is you have to work with the timeline of the project and the the realities for a variety of reasons probably not worth getting into is it they were only ready the, our partners were only ready to make the details public last week and they needed an approval quickly to go and get this financing locked in and i didn't want to put them in the position and the city in the position that maybe something goes wrong in the next couple of weeks while you're dithering around waiting yeah, so we needed to move quickly and we did and i'm glad the council was partnering that let's go to the phones good morning you're live on the morning drive you tell that, Council. No dithering. Uh, <laughs> I do. That's a big I, part of the mayor's I, job. <laughs> I, uh, I, I promise not to raise the hairs on your back, Mr. Mayor, with this question. Uh, the, the person that I mention in the question may raise the hairs on your back. But <laughs> could, could you clarify um, what the status of the Sinex involvement is and are we still at his mercy as far as uh, using his property for the high school um, through 2025, 26, whatever it is? Is, is Mr. Sinex still involved at all in the process here? And I'll leave it at that. Thanks for the question. So, yes, Don Sinex still owns three important parcels outside of the main City Place site, the, the block that is under construction, he no longer has any role in. He does own the former Macy's building where the high school is. He owns the L.L. Bean building and the rest of the kind of remnants of the of the mall. 
Um, when I say he owns it, he's not the only owner, but he is in the controlling interest. The local partners, my understanding is have an interest there as well. With respect to the high school, we're not at their uh, Don's mercy with respect to what has been planned already. The, the high school being there through 2025, that has already been negotiated. If there's a desire for some kind of extension, I think that that extension does need to involve at this point Don in some way. And I'm not, Completely sure exactly the status. But Cynics has always been pretty good about actually giving extensions in regard to if if, if the high school needed an extension with the old Macy's building, right? Um, I think there's reason to believe he would he would he would work with uh, the school district, or at least, the, at least to hope that he would. Um, I don't. I, I think, as far as I can remember, Kurt, at this point, there was just the original agreement. I don't know that there have been extensions since then, and I know that the local partners. Uh, who are part of that partnership, they're just not in control of it, were a big part of the reason why that agreement got done as well. So if there needs to be an extension there, that's something there is that's something that will need to be worked out. Uh, it is my expectation and hope that at some point Don will sell these uh, buildings to some other parties, perhaps the, the local partnership that's building City Place. I know they've been very interested in it. Uh, I think that's going to need to happen for there to be major development on those sites, which are, are clearly underutilized right now. With Let's the, go. You know, other than the high school. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Mayor. Uh, just like to kind of follow up on a question that I heard asked of the Mayor of Rutland in the last interview about the huge influx of COVID funds and how they were used by the city and whether those funds were used to create offices, agencies, hire more people that once the funds dried up, would the people of Burlington be asked to fund those positions? And uh, I'd like to know if, if Burlington has done so or has not done so. Uh, the other quick question is, can you throw somebody out of Burlington for bad behavior? I, the reason I ask that is I remember back when I was a young fellow over 55 years ago, I got thrown out of two towns in New York and Virgins, and you know anybody can live in Virgins. But uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> you got I don't know, Virgins. But uh, I didn't know if uh, you know continued bad behavior could ban somebody from the city of Burlington. So those are my two quick questions. All Thank right, you. Thanks for the uh, Mr. Mayor. So with respect to the budget and the creation of positions with ARPA funds and how, how that has been planned for, this, there's a mix of things that happened with those years of these major federal funding. We had a number of positions related to the pandemic that were created and, and have gone away. Um, we have, uh, because you know, we no longer are, are organizing uh, vaccine clinics anymore. We're no longer um, doing uh, some of the early recovery economic activities that were happening before. Uh, we no longer have the need for support. You know, we had this uh, resource and recovery center that was uh, a staffed response to Burlingtonians who were experiencing various, uh, you know, emergencies during that period. That, that's gone away. There were some areas where we were very forthright and you know upfront that we were creating new capacity we we're doing new things and we we're using federal funds to do that uh, and that ultimately those funds would need to be replaced uh, with local funds if we were going to be able to continue them we did that within the business and workforce development department a new department that we created we um, certainly have, have that happening within um, some areas of uh, CEDO and the uh, <coughs> racial equity inclusion and belonging department 
and some successes of, of actually generating new non-property tax revenue to, to replace some of those positions. Um, uh, we have other, other areas where we have been trying to build into the structural budget the, that these positions would last for the long term. Um, and then we have other areas where it's honestly, it's been sort of a confusing mix that there has been so much change and volatility in these budgeting periods that um, we've been passing and approving budgets that have been unlike anything we've done before. We've been seeing revenues move around quite dramatically and that there is now some pain as the money is fully going away and figuring out exactly where we are. So it's a mixed story. It's one of the, it is, it is a driver in why next year is a challenging budget year, but we, you know, we're actively working to address it. I got a follow-up question on the budget, but we got to, we're, Mm -hmm. we're heading up against the break. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in with Fox News. Amanda has the headlines. We got the forecast for you from Channel 3, and we'll be back with the second segment from the uh, mayor of Burlington for a few more weeks anyway, (laughs) St. Albans. The only place for local talk every morning with Kurt and Anthony. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Continuing our discussion now with Mayor Burlington, Merle Weinberger, in his next to the last appearance as mayor on the Morning Drive. If you have a question for the mayor, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. And, Mayor, a lot more to talk about before we get to the close at 9 o'clock. And I want to just follow up on the budgetary question. Three-cent property tax increase on the ballot, uh, public safety but where do we know here at two and a half weeks out where I know you have you are looking at three million dollars in reductions in the budget. But do we know where those three where that three million dollars is coming from at this point or not? We don't care for two reasons. Uh, one, probably the biggest reason is um, the budget's not going to be my budget. You know, the budget will be the budget of the, the new mayor. They will. One of the first things they're going to have to do when they get into office is. Uh, make some significant decisions about where, um, where, where, where they're going to take the city. And the budget is submitted by charter to the council uh, by mid-June. Um, and so they'll have two and a half months to, to be making those decisions. The other important uh, piece of work that is coming is this operational analysis, that we're, which we, have, we are working with a consultant with that is specifically uh, commissioned to identify where we can make these cuts. So uh, people are going to vote on the three cents, and they they just are not going to know until later on, until the new mayor's in. Well, they where, are going to know the that the, the cuts are not going to come from the public safety departments. They're not going to come from the police and the fire. That's that's that they can be confident in that these uh, those the the plan is to fully fund the, those budgets um, with this this additional revenue. Okay, and uh, I want to ask you a question that was texted to me, and it is. Um, by somebody that sees this every day. How can the city finally make City Hall Park feel safe? Every year, we allow a small group of malcontents to break every rule in the city. What are we doing about City Hall Park? Uh, you know, people say that to me. This is a question texted to me, and we hear that a lot, that it's, it's, it's been taken over by a group of that, that, are, that, are diso- that, that don't follow the rules, that disobey all the rules in the city and seem to get away with it. Yeah. We've taken the police department. One of the, the goals of explicit direction and goals in recent years has been to change that. Um, we have had all sorts of efforts to uh, have concerted focus and, and sweeps. And at, at times it's worked and worked quite well. I mean, you go to that right now, you're not going to see any problems during the, during these months in, in city hall park. Um, 
we had a very good spring last year from, uh, and part of that was the police department had exactly the goal of the collar had there. They went in very early in force. We redirected all the capacity we had to, to have a major presence in the downtown in city hall park. And it worked very well until June 1st, uh, on June 1st, there was a, I think a really problematic, especially in retrospect decision made to put 800 Vermonters out of the hotels and on the street at a time when there is almost no vacancy and when the social services are overwhelmed. And for the rest of the year, we battled major issues throughout the downtown, no matter what we did. Um, I'm concerned we're on the verge of having that mistake repeated. The Agency of Human Services is fighting hard for a plan that would put about five or 600 Vermonters out of the hotels on April 1st. In Chittenden County, there is absolutely no reason to do that. We have about 89 households, and when I last heard, it's probably less than that now, that are still in the hotel program. We are getting them housed. The city of Burlington, the systems that we have set up with our partners is getting them housed. We've gone from over 250 households in this cohort down to under 90. And if they, if the state extends the program until July 1st, we will get a hundred percent of them. We will get everyone into permanent housing and we will do so at less cost than what the agency of human services has proposed in terms of the, the, their hope of setting up new congregate shelters. It just doesn't make any sense. This plan. That's why you've seen the house and the Senate vote to really support the plan that I've been putting forward but it's still in conference committee. It still has to go over the governor's desk. And I, I, I really think this is the most, anyone who is worried about that downtown issue, worried about the city, again, being overwhelmed by tents and very visible signs of drug use and, and poverty. This is a key decision that we not, again, make the mistake of putting 100 people And I hear you, I hear you on all that, Mr. Mayor. But yeah. at the same time, the, the problems in City Hall Park have been going on for a while, even before that program last year. It, the, the, those problems have been festering for quite a while. You know, Kurt, that this is something that we have long struggled with going back even before the pandemic. It is because, you know, going back to an answer question, I didn't answer a couple of calls back. We don't have the ability just to kick people out. We live in a, a free society to to forcibly remove people from a place. You have to they have to break a law. They have to arrest them. I will tell you, in my time and you and I talked about it a lot when you're on the council, I have never, ever wavered from the idea that the police need to enforce the laws. They uh, that. They, they, that these low-level crimes are a problem, drunk, public intoxication, public urination, public drug use, all of that, my direction has been to enforce our laws on the books. As you know, we have been in a historically low period of our ability to do that because we have you know a third of the officers on the street, 20-some-odd 20 officers on, the, on patrol instead of 60-some-odd, and it's been enormously frustrating situation uh we i all you know there what i the i think it is important for us to keep hope know that the 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 city is rebuilding we have we had a good 2023 in terms of rebuilding was the biggest year of new officers we've had in in decades 15 new officers the 2024 got off to a slow start as there's been some public discussion of we only have one person at the academy right now but i'm hearing that we have a strong class going in the in the august academy and we do continue to hire well for these other resources that are making a positive difference. I saw a couple community service officers on Church Street yesterday. We have these social workers who are having a positive impact. So we're fighting to rebuild the department. Um, I do think it's one of the things that is going to be at stake in this mayoral election in a couple of weeks. I know that Joan Shannon is fully committed to uh, rebuilding the department. And, and uh, I know that'll be, you know, it's one of the big reasons why I'm supporting her. All right, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. 
Hi, Myra. This is Gary. Um, I have a question in reference to the North Avenue Beltline. Um, back when Mayor Kiss was in office, he and Barbara Grimes decided to take the lights off the Beltline. Since that time, I mean, you can ask her. I mean, those fences, they get knocked over guardrails. There's been people that have been killed. And I believe when that Beltline was built, they had federal money, and I don't understand how the city had the right to take it down. So I'm asking you before you leave to maybe reevaluate the situation because at night when it's pitch dark out or if it's raining out, it's very, very dangerous. And I would appreciate, you know, if you put something, you know, put some time or effort into investigating and seeing what you can do about putting the lights back on the belt line. Okay. That happened under Bob Kiss, right? Uh, Gosh, Kurt, I got to say, like, I I was going to hand it to Gary. He has raised an issue that uh, I don't believe in my 12 years I've ever been asked about before, uh, and I know nothing about. So, um, well, fix you, it before you leave. You got you got five <laughs> weeks, Mayor. Get those lights back on the Beltline. I don't want to minimize. I do. It did happen under Bob Kiss. Okay. I remember the issue. Um, I do remember there was an effort to like reduce the amount of like uh, light escaping, right? And maybe it was part part of yeah, that. Um, yeah. We, you know, we do have a process. I, I will say, like for the B, Burlington Electric Department to review light in a certain area, whether it's meeting certain standards. So you know, people can do have the ability to go to them and ask for a review. Um, Mr. Mayor, I want to just add, Carter Newbezer, who's running for city council in Ward 1, was on the show uh, a couple of weeks back, and he actually launched a little criticism at you. He threw in at the very end of, a, of an answer to a question, which was he sort of danced around the 2020 resolution that essentially defunded the police. Uh, but he also threw in um, that Mayor Weinberger chose not to, he allowed that action to happen. And he said, what he was saying was, you didn't veto it. Yeah. And so he was he was saying the mayor allowed that to go forward. <clears throat> so just want to give you a chance to respond. Yeah, no, I'm happy to respond to it. I have many, many times in the past. Ali Jang raised this issue in the, the mayoral campaign three years ago. I mean, the idea that I it, it's it's just a rewriting of history to suggest that. I mean, I Chief Murad, I Jen Morrison go back and watch the videotapes leading up to that vote. And, you know, it was it was this crazy time of remote meetings. All of us railed against it or you begged the council not not to do it uh told them that we would what would happen is exactly what happened you know we predicted exactly what would would take place in terms of loss of officers in terms of the impacts that it would would have on our ability to recruit in terms of the public safety impacts it was all laid out there very clearly i think you may have you know other past we we helped organize getting past counselors and um, <clears throat> and the votes weren't there. Uh, commissioners, to, to sus- the votes weren't there to sustain a veto, right? Well, that's right. What I did do, also not to just let it happen, is I the, knew that the vote was happening. Even though we only had a weekend to prepare for this, it was something that was announced on a Friday, and the vote was on Monday. Talk about big issues being announced the, without a lot of process, a lot of time. The budget amendment. And I came forward with a compromise that was consistent with the budget we were about to pass that uh, I thought I had the votes for that would have basically said, notwithstanding that vote, we're going to stay at about 90 officers until this study comes back. 
And uh, all we needed was seven people to vote for that. We thought we had the seven votes. It's one of the only times in 12 years I can remember where we lost a vote by surprise, switched on us on the floor, and we failed to get it done. Okay. And, and, and then I made the calculus that this is not final. We are going to keep this. No way this can stand. We're going to keep litigating this. I came back in August and September with another proposal to get it back up to the 90. I did that four times, I believe, from the court, from that vote. But the council, you know, what I didn't anticipate was that the council would be so locked in to this mistake, even as it became clear and clearer it was a mistake and that it would take 18 months to get it reversed. I remember it well. Um, we don't want to leave the show without talking about a big issue that has exploded. It's been on CAX, but it also was on the cover of Seven Days. And we had the reporter on the show yesterday, Derek Brower, yeah. who spent seven nights, not overnight, but he was there seven different nights at Decker Towers. And uh, Mr. Mayor, I want to hear you, you get your thoughts on this. It has <laughs> exploded into almost like, I can only describe it as almost like a war zone at Decker Towers on St. Paul Street, the 11-story building there. Um, what's your thoughts on what's going on there? You have homeless people sleeping in the stairwells. There's needles everywhere. The tenants are now have formed a group that they're going to try to enforce rules, which is, it seems like a, a disaster waiting to happen there. It is a terrible situation, Curtin. It's got to get turned around. It's got to get turned around quickly. I am very concerned about it. I unfortunately have limited direct ability to turn it around in that the Burlington Housing Authority is an agency that is funded and regulated entirely by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Uh, the one direct kind of authority that I do have is I do appoint board members. I get to appoint one board member a year for five-year terms on, of this five-person board because of a because of someone who chose to leave, as well as the fact that there was a seat up, I was able last week to put two new strong board members in place, including Brian Lowe, my former chief of staff. And it's my hope that they can bring new perspective, ideas, and oversight to the situation. Really what's going on here, Kurt, is is something that could be addressed quite um, directly and fundamentally and turn this around and... Uh, it's actually kind of straightforward what the solution is. And we've been communicating this to the Burlington Housing Authority since last April. They need to get control of access to the building and stop unauthorized persons from getting in. Uh, I talked to a housing, my office talked to a housing expert yesterday on this, and they said, you know, this is a fundamental, basic issue. There is no other building in the country that is comparable that they know of that doesn't have someone at the door limiting access into the building. We've been telling them this again for a long period of time. They've made some improvements and changes, but there's a disagreement. We're hearing from their executive director, Stephen Murray, he, as recently as last week, he in a meeting with my chief of staff, he disagrees that they have the ability to stop people from unauthorized people from getting in. This has to change. The building is not going to go in the right direction until they take control of this and I'm offering help and resources in doing that, but I can't do it for them. The Burlington Housing Authority need, is the owner and operator, manager of this. They need to lead the effort. And since we're not getting agreement from the executive director, we have escalated it to the board level. Um, and it is my hope that the board will be in full agreement and get this turned around. Do you want there to be a new executive director? Are you, are you calling for that? I know <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. The board, <clears throat> I know the board hires the executive director, but I just want to see if you are unhappy enough with him. You'd, you'd want the board to replace him. What I am focused on is getting the building under control. And I, that, I, that's my sole interest in here. I want the, 
residents in that building protected. I want the staff of that organization protected. The way that it is being operated now, where the executive director is waiting for people to unauthorize people to get in the building and create problems and then trying to bring enforcement is just, I think, clearly not working and they need to get control of the entrance. Can the police help with this watch group that's been formed? Will they have some involvement? How can they help out with this? I know they're short-staffed. <clears throat> the police are are helping in a number of ways. They, First of all, the narcotics unit is very engaged with the drug activity that is going on over there. There have been arrests in the building. There have been arrests outside the building related to what's happening there. They've responded to over 60 high-priority calls in 2023, every time there's a high priority call over there, they do go. They are also, as conditions have worsened, particularly in recent months with the cold weather and more people uh, getting into the stairwells and essentially living there, the, the police are, are, whenever they can, attempting to go over there and make uh, vertical patrols up through the stairwells. And they did that again last night. Again, all the police do have limited resources. They do have limited authority, and it's futile and not as effective as it needs to be. What they can do until we get control of, of the of the access to the building, and that's what I'm pushing hard for. All right, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, Mayor. Um, House Bill 289, which is in committee right now, would require. Uh, retail electricity electricity providers to get their energy from 100% renewable sources by uh, 2030. Uh, if that if they pass it, will you sign it or uh, veto it? <laughs> well, <laughs> now I, get it. I don't believe as this governor, is a... <laughs> will you sign that? <laughs> well, I, I am involved in the issue. I don't believe I'm going to get the opportunity to, to sign it or. or veto it's not going to come to the mayor's desk but the the city is involved because the burlington electric department is impacted by it and very involved and they've been part of the coalition that's been negotiating this and as it currently stands it's gone through changes and is in a place where um uh, i do support it and uh, and burlingtonians uh, can be confident that it is consistent with the city's policy um, it does it, it. It basically is very consistent with our efforts to continue to buy 100 percent renewable energy and 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 to grow that um, but, as but, we as we electrify things. But speaking of that, Moreau, yes. are you are you um, close to making a decision on that big race for governor? We know you've been making statements about it. Uh, the, will you do it after the mayor's race is over? I mean, if you're making a decision, if you're making an announcement. I can tell you the decision I have made, Kurt, is that I'm I'm focused as we've been discussing the whole morning. There's a lot to be done as mayor here. I'm I'm focused on finishing out the term right and getting as much done as I can on uh, <clears throat> on, on 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 finishing this right and handing off a, the city as a strong a case, a, a strong place as I can to the next mayor. And that's I do really want to go back to Decker Towers one more minute before yes. we close out, though, which is what the people at Decker Towers is, have said in regard to the suggestion that you need a person at the door. Or you need 24 hours, right? 24-hour coverage. They've said, and I want to just hear what you think about this. They've said it would cost them $600,000, which they, they do not have the funds for. That, that is the figure. Actually, the, the, so I had a meeting with the executive director a few weeks ago, and we focused on this issue expressed as clearly as I could how important I thought it was that they get control of the access 
um, thought said that that need to be done through a layered approach that involved changes to protocols, the way in which the building was operated, changes to physically what is happening there at the entrance as well as staffing. Um, I said uh, I didn't want cost to be an obstacle to that. So give me a comprehensive plan and the city will help you at least on a temporary basis, get this done. What came back was a uh, $800,000 proposal for full-time security that had none of those other layers. And that I did not think was a serious responsive uh, response to my proposal. Um, I continue to think that this can be brought under control with many low and no cost solutions, as well as some investments and the city stands ready to help. We need a serious plan in front of us to do that. Go ahead. I'll quickly, we're almost out of time, but how about the update on the Moran site? You've, you've added a couple of things that, on a positive note here. It's, uh, what's, what's coming up with the Moran? Yeah. Thanks Kurt. There the, is a the lot of A-frame. Po- that's <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of positive stuff that's happening, including we didn't even get a chance to talk about the, $30 million that's being invested in Main Street right now. Um, what's happened at Moran is we, first of all, have finished the, we've cleaned up the site. It's gone from being this eyesore to being a landmark on the Burlington waterfront. We're finding increasing number of ways to uh, use it. And we are planning on doing more of that in the coming year and, and using some of our remaining federal ARPA funds to kind of make some additional infrastructure improvements there. We did unveil a concept for where, if the community supports it, it's going to take a lot of work and probably philanthropic resources, but a vision of how it could really become a, a destination that involves skating year round and performance spaces and whatnot. And that, that's going to be a long effort, but I was excited to at least share that vision before, uh, before stepping out, out of this role. And do you think just, this is almost yes or no. Do you think you will get an MOU with university on uh, housing before you before you end? It's definitely on my list of things we're trying to get done in the next couple months and why we're, we're so busy right now. I, I'm, I'm still optimistic we'll get there. All right. Mayor Weinberger, Mayor Moreau Weinberger, in his next and last appearance on The Morning Drive. Thanks for being here, as always. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mayor. Uh, well, Kurt, they go fast, and tomorrow's Fluff and Stuff Friday already. And we've got the mayor of Plattsburgh tomorrow. Oh, there my we gosh. go. Mayor Week <laughs> continues on News Talk WVMT Burlington. ABC News. I'm Sherry Preston. We woke up this morning excited, and the last thing we ever expected was to have a tragedy in our family. Beto Lopez speaking to ABC News overnight about the death of his sister, Lisa Lopez Galvan, a Kansas City radio host. and.